Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is the Coaches Don't Play Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Blake Zettler, with my good friend, David Cherub. How are you doing today, David? I'm doing good. How about yourself? I'm doing great. You know, football season is finally upon us, and we're going to, you know, get straight into it, talking about some of these week zero college football games. But before we can start that, we got to talk about all the crazy stuff that's happening with all these conference realignments and people joining other conferences and conferences building alliances against other conferences, it seems like, David. Uh, now we got to, you know, basically take on the elephant in the room, Oklahoma and Texas trying to join the SEC. How do you feel about it? And what does it mean for the future of college football? Um, I feel really bad, honestly, for the Big 12, because, you know, Oklahoma and Texas, like, come on, they they basically were the Big 12 back before, you know, when Texas A&M and Nebraska were also in there. But, you know, they have since left it. So it was just, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. And, you know, you think about those two programs being so historic, you would never think like two programs like that would leave their conference ever. That would be like Alabama going to the Big Ten with like Clemson or something like that. It's just mind blowing. And, you know, you just can't believe it. But, you know, you know what they say in life. Money talks. Yeah, I believe that is becoming a bigger and bigger reality of college football. You know, the NCAA tried to keep college football as small in quotations as they could. You know, they tried to keep the it, it amateur and all that stuff like that. But with the NIL agreements, I think a lot of universities are starting to see the writing on the wall and they're just trying to, you know, grab the money while they can get it. Uh, a very interesting thing I will say about Texas joining the SEC is that, as you know, David, their little brother or big brother, as you like to call it, also plays in the Western side of the SEC. How do you think people and people around Texas A&M feel about Texas now trying to, you know, get some of their market share in the SEC? Um, From what I've heard, talking to different people, like apparently that Texas A&M wasn't happy at first and that there was apparently something in Texas A&M's contract with the SEC that like Texas could never join. But I guess, you know, they're fine with it now since, you know, there was no no downvotes for Texas not to join the SEC. So I guess, you know, Texas A&M is welcoming them back and, you know, welcoming them back to the, you know, rivalry and hopefully we'll see some good games. But, you know, as far as, you know, teams go right now, Texas A&M has the upper edge. I think they're a better team. So maybe Texas A&M thinks they can, you know, keep the better team and keep on whipping up on Texas. But, you know, time will tell. I just hope there's some good games between the two teams again. Yeah, um, it's one of those things where I just think that, as I said, the writing is on the wall. So the money, as you said, money talks. So people are really just following the money. Now, a very interesting thing that you told me earlier that I actually was not aware of before we started this was, uh, David, I don't know what you called it, but there's a there's a football alliance not a conglomerate, but an alliance that is forming, David. Can you tell our listeners something about that and uh, why you think that maybe they had the idea? So uh, basically, this is uh, Modern Warfare 2, and everybody wants to join my clan. No, I'm just kidding. So basically, the ACC, Pac-12, and Big Ten joined an alliance together, basically kind of to counter what the SEC is doing. Now the SEC is going to be a 16-team conference. They got some big markets in there with Alabama, Oklahoma, Texas, and Texas A&M. 
speaking about Texas and Texas A&M, they're both one and two in revenue. Um, so basically that's the ACC, Big Ten, and Pac-12's response to, hey, you're not going to be the only one who's the big conference. You're not just going to, you know, control the landscape for all the sports. You know, we want to kind of keep everything how it was, and we don't want to have one power conference, basically. Yeah, and I think this is a little bit dangerous if you're a college football fan because I think part of why people love college football so much is because it makes the smaller stories bigger. Like, schools and upsets and underdogs tend to, don't get me wrong, I mean, the college football playoff has really exacerbated a lot of the front running in college football with Clemson, Ohio State, Alabama, uh, all those teams like that basically just, you know, making the playoff every single year. Uh, we joke a lot where it, we, or we used to joke that it was the Clemson Alabama invitational for a little while because Clemson and Alabama always somehow find themselves in the playoff. But the one thing that I do like about college football is really just the case by case basis and how much these games really matter to each school, even the school like Vanderbilt. Like, could you imagine a Vanderbilt beat I don't know, an SEC in conference opponent, like people at Vanderbilt would just go crazy. But what I'm what I'm scared of is that college football could become kind of like the NFL, where there's two big conferences. And almost if you're not like at the top of the pack, you almost like don't matter as much to these to these big conferences. And that's what I don't want to happen. I don't want these smaller schools that don't really have a lot of pull to just be forgotten and left to the wayside and have zero shot of picking up like these big recruits. And unfortunately, uh, I do see the trend kind of going more more towards that, especially with the NIL agreement. And I just I don't know, David, I don't know if I'm crazy. You think that that will never happen. But I don't know. I just want your opinion on whether or not you think it's going in that direction. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, there was, you know, all that speculation that, oh, the ACC will split up and certain teams will join the SEC, certain teams will join the Big Ten. And it'll be like the SEC Big Ten, like you said, the NFC versus the AFC. And then they'll just split the conferences up into pods, you know, four teams in each pods, basically like the NFL. And I totally agree with you. You know, you think about teams like Cincinnati. Cincinnati's preseason number eight, but they're not in a Power Five conference. You know, if that happens, what happens to them? What happens to the small teams? You know, what happens to like Boise State, Coastal Carolina, the teams who are good and have proven to beat the Power Five teams, but, you know, they don't have those big markets and they're not in a big money market or anything like that. You know, you think about the underdog basically, like, it would just basically ruin football because then it'll just become all about money. And you're starting to see a little bit of that as I'll go ahead and bring up, you know, Quinny Ewers was going into his senior year this fall, but decided to skip out on his senior year to go ahead and join Ohio State so that he could go ahead and make money off of his name because of the NIL agreement. Yeah, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that Uh coming in the future i mean it's already happened happening as you said quentin ewers i mean it's just gonna happen more and more and more unfortunately don't get me wrong i don't agree with what the ncaa does uh the the jokes that people make about the ncaa where basically slavery uh have a lot more merits than a lot of people would like to admit but the ncaa did kind of have a point where if you take the amateur side away from college football the sport itself might suffer a little bit now that can happen culturally but will the product suffer i'm not entirely sure 
as a lot of the time uh, in recent history, uh, the college football offenses and defenses have actually been more advanced than NFL ones, as we've seen with a lot of these coordinators like like Joe Brady, Matt Rule, like uh, both of them are on the Panthers staff and the Panthers. Uh, they, I mean, they're playing right now. They're putting on a pretty good team on the field right now. So at this point, it's more of just will the amateur side of college football stay or will college football become more like a pro before the pros, like a semi-pro league to the NFL? And a lot of people probably think that it's already like that. But I mean, don't get me wrong. College, college players are getting paid. They are. But the NIL just makes it open wide and just makes it so even now big brands and companies can pay them so i think it just exacerbates the problems that were already on the table where these big schools are basically going to say join our conference or die basically and i think that's already the trend is already going there and you'll probably see that happen more and more over the next couple of years oh yeah and like what you said you know could college football turn into like the g league you know is it just going to be a factory for, you know, the players to, you know, do their three years and then go to the NFL, you know, because now with all the money and everything like that, you know, you think about some of these kids coming out of high school, they don't come from anything. And then, you know, they, they sign on with Alabama and they see, oh, I can make X amount of money my first year. You know, why not? You know, why not leave school early? I don't I don't need to go to, you know high school my last senior year that doesn't matter to me you know i need that money and everything my family needs that money and all that and that that's another thing that i think about is recruiting you know if i'm a you know four or five star recruit or three even three star recruit and you know a big school offers me a scholarship why would i want to go to one of these smaller schools why would i not just want to go to one of these bigger schools so that i can go get all that money you know, so you also got to you know, account recruiting because that's just going to ruin the recruiting landscape. And all the big, big name players are just want to go to big name schools because they're just going to want all the money. And teams like Cincinnati, Boise State and Central Florida aren't going to be able to get these players because, you know, they're not a big name school and they don't have a big brand. Yeah, that's basically one of the big fears a lot of college football fans have, and a bunch of bunch of these outlets. Uh, I've heard twenty four seven sports talk about this a lot, where the parity in college football is probably not going to come from the NIL agreement. A lot of people think that the NIL NIL agreement is going to help the parity in college football, but you see a lot of the time that well, even for example, uh, Nick Saban talked about this a lot when the transfer portal. Uh, really started becoming a tool that a lot of people use. A lot of people thought that it would help the parity of college football. But what it ended up doing was all of these big schools. I mean, you're an Ohio State fan and I'm an Alabama fan. I mean, the amount of high quality transfers that we've gotten from other schools, I mean, it's countless. But I think the NIL agreement is just another one of those things where the parity of college football is just going to get less and less significant. And more of these front runner teams are just going to get more and more and more talent on them. And it's just going to become, as I said, the pros before the pros. Um, I just kind of just want to move on here to another another thing that is related to the conference realignment. The Big 12, not a lot of people talk about this, but some people have brought it up and not a lot of people are talking about this. The Big 12 is considered a Power 5 conference. With Oklahoma and Texas leaving, David, in your opinion, would Big 12, in your mind, be worthy of 
power five status? Um, personally, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, no, because those are your two biggest brands. They basically make your conference. Teams like Oklahoma State and Iowa State just don't have a big enough name in college football to continue making that conference a Power 5 conference. Um, honestly, I see the Big 12 basically splitting up. Um, there's talks that I think Iowa State and Kansas uh, are looking at joining the Big 10. Some other teams are looking at joining the Pac-12. So, honestly, in my opinion, I think they're just going to split up because you lose, you know, your two biggest brands. Oklahoma's always, you know, in the conversation every year for the college football playoff, if not contending for a national title. Texas is just Texas. We know they've stunk the last couple of seasons, but, you know, Texas is just such a big brand in college football that how can you not talk about them, you know? You know, you just can't never forget about them and – you know, we're still waiting for, you know, what Sam Ellinger said after the Sugar Bowl. We're waiting for Texas to be back, though. Longhorn Nation would probably absolutely love if Texas did, in fact, come back. And Now, whether or not that is going to happen is to be seen. And I don't think that joining the SEC is really going to help their chances of winning the conference. But maybe competition, you know, it forges them in the fire, you know, Texas, you know, rises like a phoenix from the ashes, you know, maybe Sam Ellinger, you know, he was thinking a little bit too, too nearsighted. Maybe he was talking about, I don't know, 10 years in the future. Maybe Sam Ellinger had some inside information, but in all seriousness, let's stop talking about the future. Let's talk, let's talk about the here and now there is going to be a college football season this year and all the conferences are currently intact. Now the AP poll was released and Alabama of course was number one but Oklahoma closely trailing at second a lot of people believe that Oklahoma is the best team in the country because of incumbent quarterback Rattler do you believe that Rattler is the best quarterback in the country and you do do you believe that he gives them the edge um might be controversial no I think the country has forgotten that there's a man in North Carolina, goes by the name of Sam Howell. I think he's the best quarterback in the country. Not going to take anything away from Spencer Rattler, um, but you know Sam Howell's been doing it for a little longer time. He's an amazing quarterback. Um, he doesn't have, you know, I'm not going to say North Carolina's a bad team or anything like that, but he doesn't have maybe as good a talent around him as for, say, Oklahoma with, you know, what Spencer Rattler has. But, you know, come on now. You just got to watch the kid. The kid's a magician with, you know, the way that he works the pocket and he throws a beautiful ball as well. Uh, yeah, I, I would also agree with you. I'd probably think that Sam Howell's probably the best quarterback in college football this year. Uh, a lot of people don't tend to agree with us. A lot of draft experts actually do not tend to agree with us at all. They think Spencer Rattler is by far and away the best quarterback in college football. He's basically the the consensus number one pick of this year's draft. Do you think that any of this quarterback pandering, any of this stuff actually matters? Or do you think that one of these teams is a young quarterback like Clemson with DJ Uyunglele, uh, Alabama with uh, Bryce Young, or even Ohio State with CJ Stroud? Do you think any of them are going to make a play and, you know, be back in the playoff and everything's just going to be like the status quo and it's just going to be over and over again and it's just going to be deja vu. 
Oh yeah, you you can never count out those teams. You know, even though that they're you know all three replacing a quarterback, you know, it kind of matters to return a quarterback. But you know, we saw in twenty eighteen, you know, true freshman Trevor Lawrence lead Clemson to a perfect record, and you know, not to rub it in or anything, but smoke Alabama in the national title and win it as a true freshman. So yeah, experience matters kind of because you've already been in that atmosphere you know and everything like that but my problem with like spencer radler is yeah he's already been in it but you know i know last season was you know a weird season with covid and everything i didn't have like the spring training or the spring practice or anything like that but you know he still lost to teams like kansas state like come on like how are you gonna lose to kansas state and i'm pretty sure they also lost to iowa state like how can you lose teams like that and be such an amazing quarterback? But, you know, I see Clemson, you know, coming back to regular form with DJ. We saw DJ play against Notre Dame. He played amazing. Um, unfortunately, they lost, but, you know, it is what it is. Uh, they have one big game on their schedule. That's first week. You know, that will definitely tell you how good DJ is. Um, Bryce Young, let's, let's get real. You know, I think Alabama's basically plug and play. You know, Jalen Hurst was successful. Two was successful. Jake Coker was successful. Um, I think he'll have no problem and everything like that to working in the offense. And then, you know, same thing with, you know, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. You know, Ryan Day just, you know, works very well with quarterbacks. You know, you look at Dwayne Haskins and, you know, Justin Fields. So, you can definitely see those guys making a run for it late in the year for the national title. Hey, don't think I didn't notice that Jake Coker slander you just threw in there. All right. In this podcast, there will be zero Jake Coker slander literally ever. All right. Jake Coker is probably one of the greatest quarterbacks ever play at the University of Alabama. But no, yeah. Ser- oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll go with that. In all seriousness, yes, I do believe that Bryce Young probably will as they say Alabama you know doesn't re- rebuild they reload they said this they would say the same thing about the Patriots Patriots and Alabama Belichick Saban they kind of do the same thing they kind of just plug and play players it's really the system not the players don't get me wrong having all those five stars it helps but the system and the offensive scheme uh even Alabama I mean they switch out coordinators I mean uh Sark last year is now the tech, the uh, head coach of Texas. Now Bill O'Brien, which I'm a little bit nervous about, is the new <laughs> is the new uh, offensive coordinator. Uh, the magician that he was when he would tell Deshaun Watson to, you know, do quarterback draws on third and fifteen. But besides the point, uh, yeah, I would probably tend to agree with you. I think that those top teams still probably have a stranglehold on the college football landscape, but there are a decent amount of newer blooded teams that could make a run at it this year. Uh, as you said, North Carolina with Sam Howell. I mean, that, I mean, he's a, that man's, he's a baller. He can play. Oh, so yeah. if they, if they come out and they put on a show all 12 weeks of the season or 11 weeks of the season, and they come out and they, they beat Clemson in the title game. Do not be, do not be surprised if they do that because it has been building. Mac Brown is just, He's one of the best college football head coaches of all time. And if anybody could do it, it would be him. And everyone, and I, I agree, everyone sits there and 
they forget that literally Mac Brown is North Carolina's head coach. Like, come on, he's built championship winning teams, you know, and he probably should have won two national titles, but we'll put an asterisk beside that 2009 one. Um, but yeah, you know, North Carolina, Cincinnati, like Luke Fickle's got that program going. They return a quarterback and everything. You know, they're playing well. They played amazing last year, you know, just fell a little bit short to Georgia. There's a lot of talks around Georgia. But, uh, you know, unfortunately for Georgia's case, is they, they got to go through Alabama, and Kirby Smart just can't do that. Um, as far as, like, the other – looking at the other teams in the top ten, uh, no offense to our Notre Dame fans out there uh, – I don't see y'all. I don't see y'all making it. Texas A&M, you're the same case as Georgia. You got you got to make it through Alabama. Um, as far as Iowa State, maybe, but I think that like teams like Texas and Oklahoma, since they're leaving the Big Twelve, they'll be even more motivated to you know try to play in the conference title one last time to show the Big Twelve what they're missing and everything like that. Yeah, that's a pretty good point that. Texas and Oklahoma, basically, I mean, they run the conference, it's no secret, and having them play again would just be even more insult to injury, where the Big 12 would basically basically have to, you know, have some reflection and go, what really is going to happen when these two powerhouses, really the only powerhouses they have in the conference at this point, leave us and with all that money and all that influence, and they just go to the SEC, which is just basically piling on money and influence they're basically just acquiring assets uh just to build a college football empire uh and you know that's basically the main reason why as that alliance as you were talking about was was formed and i think it's probably not the greatest thing for college football but alas it is the landscape we're probably gonna have to deal with in the next five years another thing i do want to bring up that is interesting is that one of these week zero games we talked about past head coaches having success with new programs. And one of these week zero games is very interesting to me because I hear a lot of talk about how good Scott Frost is at his job. <laughs> oh, he's, he's definitely on the hot seat with Nebraska. He doesn't start winning. He's going to get the can. I will not be as extreme to say that this game against Illinois week one is a must win for him, but it's about, it's damn near close. It's one of those games where oh, it should be a must win. Like, come on, like no offense to Illinois or anything like that. Unless this is 07 Illinois who beat Ohio state when they were number one, come on, Nebraska. Like this should be an easy game. Like you're, you're considered a blue blood. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where Nebraska has to be in win now mode. Another thing you also brought up to me, which is very interesting for our listeners. Why don't you tell them the significance of this UCLA and Hawaii matchup that is also one of these week zero games on Saturday? So funny enough, I learned today that our old buddy, old Chip Kelly, at his time at UCLA has yet to win a non-conference game. He is 0-6, as far as I know, in non-conference game. And there's a lot of talks that UCLA is also in win-now mode, or he will also get the can. 
Yeah, that's going to be a lot of stuff to watch. A lot of people are like, oh, you know, the college football season really starts next week. But no, there are a lot of games this weekend that are really going to matter to a lot of these head coaches. It might not matter to the college football landscape as, as a whole, but Nebraska and UCLA, they have to they have to start hot they have to set the tempo for the season and both of these teams probably have to get wins in this first game in order to really keep rolling and carry that momentum into the season uh david i just want to go ahead and uh pick some of these pick some of these games go ahead and you know just put out our our basically what we think is going to happen in these games just go ahead and get it get it out of the way uh nebraska illinois what are your thoughts on it and what do you think the final score is going to be um i think it's going to be a possibly the Probably the most interesting game this week for, you know, week zero of college football, even though it's not really big, as you said, to the college football landscape. But uh, if Nebraska does what it needs to do and Scott Frost, you know, you know, goes back to Central Florida, Scott Frost, then uh, I think Nebraska will win this game. And this should be a pretty easy win for Nebraska. They shouldn't have no problem defeating Illinois. Yeah, I would probably probably go ahead and agree with that. Uh, it's more of one of these things where it just feels like it's so must win so early that I've just been waiting for this Scott Frost like experience at Nebraska to work out for this entire time. And I was told all all the stuff about Scott Frost constantly, how good he was, how he how he basically turned UCF into a powerhouse and all that stuff like that. You know, they're always, you know, part of you know, the nomenclature. They're always getting talked about, you know, the jokes about how they won the national title in 2017 and all that stuff like that. Oh, yeah, they of did. course. Of course. They, they're, yeah. they're recognized as a national title winner. <laughs> yeah, they're, yeah, those, those, those cop cars, the, basically the money they used to, to put that on their patrol cars could have been used probably better somewhere else. But... <laughs> Just uh, go ahead and just moving on from that because that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life. But um, another one of these games, uh, UConn Fresno State. Uh, don't really don't feel very confident about it. Uh, I'm probably just gonna pick Fresno State because Fresno State seems to be uh, the more football inclined of the two schools. Haven't really heard a lot from UConn. Fresno State has beat some solid teams in years past, so I'm just going to go ahead and go with my gut on this one and say Fresno State, but I'll, I don't know, random score 21 to 13. What are you, what are you thinking, David? Uh, well, if you, uh, go with, uh, if you go with Vegas, Vegas has got Fresno State by 27 and a half. Uh, the ESPN Football Power Index predicts a 94.9% to a 5.1%. Fresno um, State by 27 and a half? Fresno State by 27 and a half. That is, is that the, is that the biggest line of the weekend? I think that's the biggest line. I'll have to double check. But uh, I'm going to say uh, Fresno State by a lot and UConn by a little. That is, now that I am looking at this, I'm going to go ahead and uh, change my score as I as I am inclined to do. I'm going to go 31-13. I'm going to keep it safe. Keep I'm just going to go ahead and put it out there. Uh, yeah, UConn, uh, they weren't great last year. I'm just going to go ahead and uh, go ahead and put that out there. They lost to Cincinnati by a score of 48-3, to uh, one of the lowlights from their season last year. And uh, it looks like Vegas thinks they're going to pick up, pick up where they left off. And uh, Fresno State's going to get an easy one in this week zero. Uh, moving on to the, the next game on the docket, we're going to see 
uh, that aforementioned Hawaii UCLA matchup. Uh, do you think Chip finally does it, or do you think the bug catches him again and he loses to Hawaii? Um, I'm gonna give Chip the benefit of the doubt. I think he finally does it. Um, this ain't no Colt Brennan led Hawaii. Um, but you know, time will tell. Uh, UCLA used to have those solid teams. Um, we'll have to see how this game. I think this game's honestly a toss up. Yeah, UCLA is favored by you know seventeen and a half, but you know Hawaii is you know I'm not gonna say they're an amazing team, but they're a pretty solid team and they they can they can definitely surprise. One thing I will say about UCLA is is that UCLA they've had a lot of interesting up and downs. I think last year was more of a product of the Pac-12. Uh, being really strict about COVID and them not really getting a lot of practice time in and stuff like that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a huge fan of Chip Kelly. I never really thought that he was the offensive brainiac. Everybody thought he was. <laughs> he was just basically, he was just making his own players uh, gas themselves out by the third quarter in Philly. That's why everybody on the roster hated him. You know, he got rid of every single one of their good players. Uh, basically told LaShawn McCoy to kick rocks after he rushed for 1700 yards in the season pass. Uh, Chip Kelly, not a huge fan of him, but I probably will go ahead and agree with you. Say that he probably gets the win over Hawaii. Uh, Vegas is pretty, pretty darn confident in that, giving him a 90.7% chance to win. Uh, one thing I will say about UCLA is they did impress me when they played Oregon last year. I am not a huge fan of Oregon. I think that Oregon is probably one of the most overrated teams in college football every single year because of the weakness of the Pac-12. They do stand atop the Pac-12 as the least shameful and the least bad, with lack of a better term, team. But if you were going by in-conference opponents, UCLA did play Oregon very well last year. So I will probably give the edge to UCLA as they return a lot of those core young starters and that i'd say that chip probably gets his first out of conference win in this one yeah definitely and then <clears throat> the next matchup is uh what is it yeah it's utep and uh good old uh new mexico state um i haven't heard anything good about utep but uh vegas is liking utep in this game um so I guess we'll go with Vegas and say that UTEP wins. Um, I'll give a score prediction on this one. Uh, 24 to 21 UTEP. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and agree with you because I have literally no idea. Uh, I couldn't even name you a single player on either of these rosters. I'm not going to say or act like I have any idea. Uh, I was basically just informed that UTEP plays football. Um <laughs> during during this this lineup of games and uh yeah i guess vegas likes them so i guess if you if you like gambling conglomerates you love them too so i don't know utep utep by 90 i guess according to vegas but, <laughs> all right uh the next matchup is southern utah san jose state uh san jose state decent team last year i will i will say that yeah. They they were their record did not did not tell you that, but San Jose State did play some close tough ones. They lost a lot of them, but they did play well in a lot of those games. 
You're talking about last year at San Jose State? Yeah. They uh they went undefeated but lost their bowl game. Oh. I think those are you sure about that? Um I'm looking at their twenty twenty schedule. Beat Air Force, New Mexico, San Diego, uh UNLV, Hawaii, Nevada, and Boise State, but lost to Ball State in the bowl game. You are you are in fact correct. I don't know what I thought. I don't know what team I, I thought about. Don't I'm not I'm not gonna lie to you, I don't really pay attention to uh a lot of the West Coast teams because uh, I don't mean to they don't matter any, any West Coast no, uh, just say football it. They fans, don't matter. but they're absolutely irrelevant. The Mountain West Conference in general is absolutely irrelevant. So I don't really pay attention to a, to a lot of these teams. But yeah, San Jose State, uh, obviously the the incumbent favorite in this game. Uh, I once again was not even aware that Southern Utah played football. So we're just gonna go ahead and uh, say probably San Jose State by a lot. Uh, uh, I would not expect Southern Utah to cover. Maybe you do. I don't know. Maybe maybe some Southern Utah uh, homer really, you know, is confident about their team this year, puts a million dollars on them to cover and cashes out. But other other than that, I'm going to go ahead and say San Jose probably San Jose State probably goes stomps them in that game. I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you there. Um, San Jose State by a lot. Um, Utah, Southern Utah by a little. All right, so moving on from college football, as we will get to a lot of these bigger matchups, but that's going to be in next week's preview. As you know, we're we're not going to get into it right now. Everybody knows the big games next did week. You, big... Did you want to discuss AP? The the AP you, you just wanted to discuss the AP poll in general. Yeah, we can just go through it. So you know, even though probably everyone that's listened to this already knows what the AP poll is. All right. Well, do you? I'll ask you a question. Do you think there's any glaring, basically any glaring issues with the AP poll, or do you tend to agree with it? Yeah, I'm gonna just go ahead and say it because I know Ohio State plays in week two. Oregon at eleven. Yeah, right. They're a dog. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get real. I don't care who they're returning. They could be returning, uh, freaking. You know. Von Miller at linebacker, and it wouldn't matter. They they lost the quarterback. They probably got some bums playing for him. They talk about their defense, blah, 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 blah. You know, this isn't, you know, 2010 Oregon where, you know, Auburn barely beat them. Like, let's get real. Ohio State loves beating up on old Oregon. So I'm going to, you know, just go ahead and say that Oregon definitely should not be the number 11 team. Um, You could – you could say that maybe Miami's ranked a little high. Same thing with LSU, with how they performed last year. I don't uh, think the uh, I don't think the Miami at fourteen is going to be a problem after week one. Oh, uh, I, I think it won't be either because they're they're really going to shoot up after week one after a big upset. But we'll oh, get yeah, into that yeah, next yeah. week. Yeah, they're just going to vault to number one. Absolutely, yeah, <laughs> you know, it's going to be a statement win for Miami and all those illustrious the, talented the players U, that are returning. The U will be back, baby. Yeah, um, but uh, LSU. Um, I don't know if you have an opinion on LSU, but you could say you know with COVID and everything that might have you know gone into how you know how they didn't play well, losing the offensive coordinator. Obviously, you know losing Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase sat out, and you know no Justin Jefferson lost all those key pieces on defense. Uh, they say they'll have a good team this year. I think it's you know no offense. I think LSU is going to be a good old 
solid like eight and four, nine nine and three team. See, the problem with LSU is that they have the unfortunate pleasure of playing in that good old SEC West. Now, the problem with that is is that they have to play a lot of good opponents, as everybody knows at home. And their schedule is not looking good this year. Yeah, Arkansas is a tough opponent. Are you quite literally picked the worst team in the SEC? You quite literally went to the to the standings and went to the last one, and then decided that that was who you're going to point out. But yeah, LSU obviously they play in the SEC West. They're going to have a tough schedule. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, fun fact though. Going back to Chip Kelly, uh, LSU's first game is against UCLA. Yeah, I don't know. We'll, I mean, we'll, we'll see what we'll see what Chip's talking about if he can, you know. Beat Hawaii. We'll see. Maybe he can be two and six in non-conference. It's all right. All of his players will be too tired to play the next week. Honestly, running that stupid hurry up, he'll probably just you know tr- trade Deshaun Jackson for you know a half-eaten cookie and a bag of chips. Yeah, he'll Lashawn McCoy will come to come to play for him. He'll rush for like three hundred yards in the game, and they'll just go tell him to kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And then he'll you know bring in what was oh gosh what was that linebacker's name that played at Oregon. Uh, Kiko, was it Kiko Alonso? Uh, that guy who played at Oregon for him and then they traded for him from Miami and then he was absolute dog water. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I don't think it's any secret that there was a reason why the Chip Kelly experience in the NFL didn't last very long. He, he was over here trying to do what Steve Spurrier did with the Redskins because Steve Spurrier tried to make it, you know, the Florida skins, not just the Redskins, when Steve Spurrier traded for all those Florida players that he had. Everybody tries to be Jimmy Johnson when they get into the NFL, but it doesn't always work out. No, it does not. This you is can't not just, 1990. You can't just take all of these people and all this personnel and all these players from the college that you came from and put them on your NFL team and think it's going to work out. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work that way. But getting back to the AP poll, since right now we've absolutely buried Chip Kelly for no reason. <laughs> uh, this is just the Chip Kelly hate fan club podcast. Yes. Right now. Uh, another thing that I find very interesting is we're talking about how Oh, woe is me, the Big 12. They're losing all all their big teams. And Iowa State's just sitting there at seven. Okay, I do agree with Iowa State, actually. that's I'm fine with them being at number seven because, you know, they returned Brock Purdy. Yeah, they lose Chuba Hubbard. But, hey, that's fine. Not Chuba Hubbard. I'm stupid. Anyways, they return, uh, gosh, what's the running back? Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall. Yeah, they return him like they return all, you know, they return a lot of good players from last year, you know, so I'm fine with them being at number seven. But, the you know, the biggest thing for Iowa State is can they beat the big teams like Oklahoma? Can they beat Texas? Be a big test. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where I think the I think the the I think the AP poll has just become one of those things where they basically just throw throw stuff at it until it sticks. And it's just one of those things where some of these teams on there, I guarantee you will not be on here. What do you mean? The Raging Cajuns are making a run for top five. I honestly, I'm more confident that the Raging Cajuns will be on here than Washington at the end of the year. <laughs> there, there some... I agree with that and Southern Cal, to be honest. <laughs> no, no offense to Keaton Slavis, but he is just Southern Cal. 
they're I don't know how much money the Big Twelve has to has to pay these people that are in the media to keep big Pac twelve teams in the AP poll, but it's gotta be a disgusting amount of money. Because every single year I'm told that Southern Cal, Washington, and some random what is it what is what is Arizona State twenty five? Just randomly? Yeah, Arizona State, yep. Yeah. And it's like I'm always told that these teams are gonna be so good. And then like for example, Alabama when our week one opponent was Southern Cal in twenty sixteen. And I was told that Southern Cal were were world beaters. They were the they were the best Southern Cal team they've ever fielded. Basically every single one of their players was a Jesus wearing cleats. And basically we made a mockery of them for 60 minutes on live television. And then, and then they re they had to rethink the entire AP poll because they basically overvalued the pack, the pack 12 on the entire AP poll because they thought, you know, Southern Cal was going to be, was going to be so good. So they're probably going to have to do that again this year after half these teams probably losing, losing week one. You know what, going, going back to what you said about Southern Cal in 2016, y'all made a mockery of them for 60 minutes. Don't forget that, you know, Ohio State played them in the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, everybody was big on Sam Darnold. Ohio State's defense already had Sam Darnold seeing Ghost. That is very true. I always forget that that how, Southern Cal got humbled twice that year. How that, man, how that man went number three overall after that game is beyond me. I'm pretty sure he had like four turnovers in that game. Bro. Don't you know that Pac-12 quarterbacks always work out? Oh, Jeff. Okay. The worst part about the Pac- okay, don't get me wrong. I like Justin Herbert. I like him. As, I like him as a human. I think he's a good. I think he's a good person. Nothing. Nothing. He might be the only successful Pac-12 quarterback. Marcus Mariota, trash in the hey, NFL. Hey, hey, you're not going to slander Jake Coker and Mary Gota in the same podcast and think you're going to, you're going to get away with it. This is, I'm putting my foot down that you just not only, hey, not only but, did you slander Mr. Wheelrout himself, Jake Coker, shout out him and OJ Howard, shout out OJ Howard for remembering how to catch a football for that game only. Um, <laughs> also, also, Marcus Mariota, it was the it was the system, man. I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's the only excuse I can make for him. Apparently, that's the excuse that we're going to make for every quarterback that doesn't work out in the NFL is that he didn't go to a good system and they didn't they didn't use his talents well enough. Right, right, right. We'll go with that one. Even though he led them to the playoffs and beat the Chiefs in the playoffs, um, and then just couldn't do anything after that. He, uh, you know, he. You know, maybe he was going through some stuff. I don't know. But moving on, uh, another another thing about these these Pac twelve quarterbacks that we're that we're talking about. You know, Mary Goda also included. Uh, Anyone from Southern Cal, trash. Um, the elephant in the room, UCLA, a huge topic for for Week Zero. They probably them and Nebraska are like the biggest teams that are playing in, in these Week Zero games. Uh, quarterback Jared Goff, Southern Cal, Southern uh, UCLA. Pac- Pac-12 no. quarterback. Yes, California. Cal or whatever. Yeah. Whatever right. you want to call them. I don't give a damn. Cal, whatever. Yeah. I know he's not Southern Cal. He's Cal. Trash. But, Trash. But he was also Trash. not very good, it, tur- it turns out. And Sean McVay masks a lot of his problems in his if, first couple uh, of years. If you go back to one of our older podcasts, uh, you will hear a lot of uh, Jared Goff slander. <laughs> it's Jared Goff. No offense. 
Jared Goff is not good, and I'm sorry, Detroit, but he is not that guy. I uh, I'm gonna say on this podcast what I say to everybody. I'm an Atlanta Falcons fan. I'm not super high on Matt Ryan. I never have been. Jared Goff is this Matt Ryan with a worse arm and a worse, you know, mind for football. Literally, that's what Jared Goff is. He's basically just Matt Ryan if you went on Madden and turned down all the stats. Is basically what Jared Goff is. So I was very skeptical of Jared Goff when he was taken so high. Nothing that he did at at Cal really popped off the screen for me. And basically, that's what that's what these Pac-12 teams are like. Are like all of them are Jared Goff. All of them are overhyped by experts and analysts. And then I watch them, and then they do nothing. So basically, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? He was like six foot six coming out of college, and. Mel Kuyper was like, oh my God, tall quarterback. Holy crap. Paxton Lynch. <laughs> yeah, I'm he's surprised def- John Elway didn't trade up to get him. He's definitely on the he's definitely on the big board, number one overall. Like, come on now. Well, oh. yeah. Moving moving on the AP Moving poll. on though, yeah. <laughs> moving on the AP poll. I don't know why we just want one of my tangent about Pac 12 quarterbacks, but whatever. It happens. Yeah, we're, you you go ahead and say it. Go ahead. We can go ahead and say it. We're Pac 12 haters. I'll say it. I don't like the I, the Pac 12 is the most overrated football conference maybe every single year and it disgusts me them but, are them are the the big 12 outside of oklahoma i don't i'm fine with the bit i'm fine with the big 12 because the big big 12 teams at least win out of conference games sometimes yeah but the problem is it's like you know oklahoma's best fielder team when baker mayfield was there was when they played georgia in the rose bowl and like they were up and then they choked like like oklahoma are you like gonna like actually win a playoff game or are you just going to continuously get smoked by these sec teams like alabama smoked have you no y'all haven't played them but like lsu smoked no we, we we uh beat oklahoma when they had kyler murray right yeah that's right so y'all yeah. smoked them and then lsu smoked them and then georgia beat them and then clemson smoked them like come on oklahoma are y'all gonna do something like you sit there it's like the meme like with the the kid with the stick and he like pokes pokes the thing and it's like do something like are y'all gonna do something <laughs> uh absolutely not uh uh basically another good point you make you make about the, the big 12 just getting to the playoff and doing nothing uh how uh david if you could tell me uh how how is the pac 12 done historically in the playoff um if uh if i open my uh history book here um it says on page 19 here uh pac 12 history um, Pac-12 has yet to win a playoff game um, because I'm going to tell you what Shannon Sharp said. I done told you, Skip, they don't play defense in the Big 12. And I done told you they don't play defense in the Big 12. Um. Well, also, also the big, the Big Twelve. Uh, yeah, they don't play defense in the Big 12. But I, but I, my question was about the Pac-12. But I always, I always, you know, oh, the Pac-12. Oh, <laughs> let's get real, Oregon. Yeah, right. Come on. Their best chance was with Justin Herbert, but all they could make it to was the Rose Bowl. Southern Cal, they're a joke. Let's get real. Their best season was when they went to the Rose Bowl and beat Penn State the year after. They had a decent year, but you know they got smoked by Alabama, and then Sam Darnold got his butt whooped by Ohio State in the Cotton Bowl. They're irrelevant. Washington is the only team to make it. Uh, John Ross could have ran like well, a three well, you're three forgetting. five. Okay, 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 okay. John First Ross could have ran a three five, and Alabama still would have won by forty five. So that didn't matter. Like okay. Jake Browning, bum. Okay, 
not only you're okay, um, you're, you're, you're going to piss me off with all this. You you don't even remember Marcus Mariota. How are you going to slander him and not even remember that Oregon made it? You know why I don't remember him? Yeah, they smoked Florida State, that Florida State team. They were good. Well, it's real. It wasn't the same as the 2013. I'm an Ohio State fan. Just just remind me, what happened in the national title game? What happened? He, uh, he got the wrong play sheet. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he got murdered. Murdered. Tell me the last time a Pac-12 team has come within seven in either a playoff game or a national title game. I can uh, tell you, and that would be 2010 when Oregon played Auburn. Other than that, they get murdered. Yeah, so basically, uh, if... This isn't a- Pete Carroll, Southern Cal with Reggie Bush. So basically, if you're a Pac-12 fan and you're listening, you're listening to this. I, I'm sorry. You're probably giving us a one star because we're the worst people ever. Yes, we're definitely biased, but we're also speaking facts because y'all are trash. <laughs> yes, the the Pac-12 is not very good at football. Even though I will say I do like Keaton Slavas, I think he's a great quarterback and very underappreciated. Uh, yeah, I will say that probably the team that has the chance to do the most is probably Oregon again. Wow, how Bums. how much how surprising that Oregon once again will probably be the best team in the Pac-12. Who who is their quarterback? I don't even know who their quarterback is this year. I don't I don't know. I don't I I don't research the Pac-12. Who's their really head coach? I don't even know who their head coach is. I don't I don't know. We're we're, we're just going to we're just going to move on from this AP poll Pac-12 talk. Actually, no, we will not move on because there's one more team I'd like to talk about. Cincinnati. Uh, I agree. Uh no, I don't want to talk about Cincinnati because they don't they don't they're actually I do want to add one thing. No offense to Arizona State. I know they have a great quarterback, Jaden Daniels. I think he's amazing. If you go back, I think two years ago, or yeah, two years ago when he upset Oregon, that Justin Herbert Oregon team that was undefeated as a freshman. Very, very good. I'd keep an eye on him. But I would replace Arizona State. With old Miss, only because... I was just about to say that. Only because Lane Kiffin, come on, like, I know Tennessee hates him, Southern Cal probably hates him, but that man is funny on Twitter. He just knows offense unless he's the offensive coordinator for Alabama and he likes to run screenplays on first and goal or a trick play, but he returns probably... A lot of people are saying, you know, the best quarterback in the SEC... You know, Matt Corral, he is good. You know, he proved himself last year. Um, he played great against Alabama. Sorry, Blake. I know you'd probably agree, though. Um, but, yeah, I say Ole Miss. You know, will they stick into the top 25? Probably not. But I say Ole Miss because they return a lot of talent. <clears throat> Matt Corral, I just saw that he was picked as the SEC first-team preseason quarterback. So, I don't know. Maybe – Maybe it's, you know, Hugh Freeze Ole Miss again, but uh, I doubt it. But, I yeah, I think they should be in the top 25. Yeah, I was about to say, as I was – before I was – I was rudely interrupted. I was going <laughs> to – I was also going to agree hey, with you. Hey, this is an open mic podcast. <laughs> I was also going to agree with you and say that Ole Miss being off of the top 25 in favor of putting Arizona State on there is – and who, who's Utah? Like, why is Utah on this list? No okay, offense I'll, to Utah. I'll give I'll give Utah some credit. They fielded some good some good teams in the past. They're probably getting they're probably getting that that bump 
because of because of past performances, past standings. Oh yeah, just so they can go to the Pac-12 championship and lose to like a subpar Southern Cal or Oregon team. Yeah, David, we've already we've already established that the Pac-12 the Pac-12 is real. Ooh, another team that a lot of people probably look over, and I know you know last year was a weird year, but they had a really good year. I'd say you know you could say Indiana might be a little low. They returned their quarterback. They return, uh, what's his name, Fogle, the wide receiver. Fry really Fogle. I bet you'd Fogel. like to forget Fry Fogle, wouldn't you? Hey, uh, all I got to say is scoreboard. Scoreboard. Um, But no, yeah, I'm not, you know, I definitely know. Sean Wade knows he's has nightmares about him. Um, Amazing offense. You know, Fry Fogle is a great receiver. He's probably the third best in the Big Ten just because there's still Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Um. Then they have their quarterback. I think his name is Michael Penix Jr., I want to say. Yeah, Michael Penix, Penne, however you would like Yeah, it. however you want to say it. I think they're a great team. I could maybe see them. I'd honestly flip them with, with Southern Cal, to be honest. Move them up to the top 15. Move them at 15. Yeah, I'm actually uh, I'm pretty high on Indiana. I'd probably say that. Uh, I think I – think- they're building a pretty good program in Indiana. I think I think they're they're probably one of the teams to watch to watch out for this year again. Um, a team I'm just gonna randomly throw this out there. It's gonna be probably one of the one of the weirdest takes ever heard. I have the weirdest feeling about NC State this year. Okay, why? Something about NC State. I feel like NC State is just one of those teams where they attempt to make themselves so annoying for Hold opposing on, let me, teams. Let me they, ask you something. Is NC State playing a big team that we don't know about on a Thursday night? I have not quite yet looked at the schedule, but I've heard a lot of I heard of a lot of talk about the NC State O-line and they've got good wide receivers and they played some some decent teams pretty well last year. For example, I watched the FSU game all the way through with our with our good friend Brandon and that that D line and those and those wideouts, they were they they were eating. I'm not gonna lie to you. Did Bradley and, Chubb come back and use his last year of eligibility? Bradley Chubb did not come back. But oh, what a shame. That just goes to show you that that NC State does produce absolute dogs on on the D line, and NC State is one of those teams to watch out for. A lot of people they say the ACC is really is going to be really weak again this year. Uh, I probably say that this is probably going to be the year that the ACC makes a little bit of moves. You know, if there's some movement in the ACC, maybe I agree. Maybe uh, North Carolina. Yeah, I'd say you know obviously Clemson's going to be good. North Carolina, I think North Carolina goes back to the ACC championship. Um, probably I'll, I'll put this out there. Um, you could talk Florida State. Uh, big test week one against Notre Dame, but I think Florida State starts to make moves and starts to come back. Um, Miami, uh, how how do you feel about Miami? Um, the one thing I will say about Miami is that everything that I say about Miami, I'll preface this by saying I like Derek King. I think Derek King is is a, a a good human being. He showed himself to be a good human being. Uh, with how he he helps out other people on the team with scholarships and stuff like that 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 they can't afford to get their education, you know, at the, at the NIL agreement, he paid for a bunch of his teammates' education, which is which he earned some respect in my eyes. But that won't translate to the football field in week one, I don't think. And I think what are you talking about? Have, That's a big upset. 
I think they're going to get skull drug week one. And I don't think it's going to matter the, the, the next coming weeks because they're going to have to play some tough opponents. And as you were saying, you did in fact bring up Florida state, Florida state probably has, and I will not, I, I will say this. They probably have the biggest when it comes to how much it matters to a program, how much is going to matter to the landscape of a program season? Their game against Notre Dame in in week one is probably the third most influ- influential of the of the week one games, as you would like to call them. Uh I but third most. Oh, you could make an argument for second most, even though that I joke about you know Miami beating Alabama. Uh, let's get real. Like, come on now, let's get real, real. I I give I gave Miami Alabama the second most because obviously I don't really want to talk about it. I don't want to get into it during this during this episode. But of course, you know the elephant in the room: Clemson does in fact play Georgia Week One. Obviously, yeah, obviously. And, and then Miami plays Alabama Week One, which uh, is a foregone conclusion in my opinion. But everybody else thinks it's going to be a game. So, uh, and then and then Notre Dame plays FSU. Also, week one, that, as I've stated previously. That, that, is, that is an interesting game. You know, FSU, um, Mackenzie Milton. Will it be Central Florida, Mackenzie Milton? Or will he be like JT Barrett and come back from his injury and just be a bum? That is the very big question. If you're an FSU fan, you – I feel like – I don't know. Maybe I'll have to, I'll have to consult uh, consummate – FSU fan Brandon Scott Wayne on this when when I can do when I can talk to him about it. I wonder if FSU fans feel like this season is one of those seasons where they FSU's gotta show, gotta show you something. Like they gotta show you some backbone. They gotta beat a team that they shouldn't. They were they were on the cusp last year that win against North Carolina, I think, really helped helped a lot of people buy in to re yeah. buy into the program there. And I think that if they get a big win week one against Notre Dame, I think it could be a bowling ball. And I think if they could get, they could start knocking off some of these teams, including Miami. They have a big, they have a big matchup against Miami later, later in the year too. And they could also knock off Miami later in the year. If they really get the ball rolling. I think it all just comes down to, as you said, whether or not Mackenzie Milton returns to the form that he was and whether or not FSU's talent buys into the system. Because the problem at Florida State has never been has never been the talent. It's whether or not they bought into the coach, which obviously the last regime they didn't. Yeah. And whether or not they are willing to actually play as a coherent football team. And in the past couple of seasons, that has not been the case. But if they put it together this year, they could emerge as, as a factor in the ACC again this year. All right. Moving on from college football, because we've now talked about it for 58 minutes. The NFL <laughs> has, in fact, been playing their preseason snore. I know it's boring. Nobody really talks about it. Nobody really, I mean, don't get me wrong. People talk about it. But people kind of act like it doesn't exist. It's the calm before the storm. Like, not a lot of people watch NFL preseason games. Like, don't get me wrong. They do. But compared to normal Atlanta's bum and the Atlanta's some bums in the preseason, and there'll be bums in the regular season. It's just the same old. Hey, all I'm trying to say is, was that Felipe Franks or Michael Vick on that, on that fourth down scramble? I know you saw that. I know you saw that twenty-two yard, a twenty-two yard scramble, Felipe Frank said. I know you saw that. But that was uh, just some bum who played for, you know, Florida for a little bit. Uh, just, but moving on to the actual topic, before I was rudely interrupted once again, um, there are some rookie quarterbacks that we've 
we've seen get some snaps, get some time in. One, yep. including Josh your New Dobbs. England Patriots. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. Fifth, he's just like Ben Simmons. He's going to win a rookie of the year in his fifth season, apparently. <laughs> um, but one, your New England Patriots' quarterback, Mac Jones. How do you feel about Bill Belichick basically tip, tipping his cap, basically giving Mac Jones the almost nod as the new number one guy? And do you feel like it's too quick? And do you feel like he needs to sit behind Cam a couple of weeks to really soak it all in? So I'm just going to go ahead and make this prediction for good old Mac Daddy. Hated him in college, obviously, being an Ohio State fan. But happy that he's with the Patriots. You know, good quarterback. You know, everyone says, oh, well, he had great talent around him. So what? Um, I think he's going to sit behind Cam for, a late, I think, I want to say at least two weeks, if not only one week, depending on which Cam Newton we see. You know, that will tell. Uh, a lot of people think he'll start week three. Some people think week four. Um, I'm excited for Mac Jones, you know, not to hate on Cam Newton or anything like that. Cam's a great quarterback, former league MVP. You know, I'm just excited that he looks like a, you know, good replacement, you know, for Tom Brady, to be honest. And, you know, he showed well in the, the preseason. I know we have, you know, you know, you think about New England, you just think about, you know, the amazing wide receivers we had and, you know, all the Hall of Fame wide receivers that have played for us, jokingly. Um, but, no, I'm excited for Mac Jones, definitely excited for him. I'm excited for to see how he plays in a regular season game. I just cannot believe you today. Not only Jake Coker slander, Mary Gota slander, and now Wes Welker slander. Wes Welker I, of all people. I'm. How do you know? I was talking about Wes Welker. Maybe I was, you know, talking about Chris Hogan. You you alluded to some wide receivers that you have. Did you did you forget that you had White Lightning on your roster, David? Probably the the. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the first ever player that the NFL went wow. CT is in fact a real thing. When when Wes Welker just completely went crazy when he went when he went to denver and just started doing acid in the team facility and stuff like that <laughs> um but but yeah him and antonio brown are living proof that uh ct is in fact a thing maybe um, they were having hanging out with steve sarkeesian and they were off the henny probably i mean honestly anything can happen in football nowadays but getting back to the topic on hand once again we're being derailed a lot during this episode because we're really making mountains out of molehill molehills because we haven't really had a lot to I'll talk about because there hasn't been a lot of real football quote unquote yeah. played yet but basically the preseason it's basically going to come to a wrap a lot of these rookie quarterbacks you've seen them so you're of the opinion that even with all the COVID protocol stuff and all the stuff that they said about Cam Newton really basically a lot of these endorsements of Mac Jones you're saying that Mac Jones will not be the week one starter but a question I have for you is how many of these rookie quarterbacks do you think start a game start a game this year? How many um, of them do you think get the nod? Let's get the elephant out of the room. He's already been named the starter, Trevor Lawrence. Like, really? Like, ain't going to hate on my man Gardner Minshew. Love Gardner Minshew. But, you know, you got to start, Trevor. Let's get real. Um, I think Matt Nagy's a moron. Uh, no offense to, you know, Red Rocket, but. Justin Fields, I think, should start week one, but he's not gonna. 
Um, the interesting one, I think the most interesting one, is the 49ers. Do you start Trey Lance or do you start Jimmy Garoppolo? In my personal opinion, you start Jimmy. You know, yeah, the 49ers didn't have a good season last year, but they did have a lot of injuries. And, you know, you, you can't forget that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo did lead them to a Super Bowl. Now, did they choke it? Yes. But I think that one's the most interesting one to see if either Jimmy starts or if Trey starts. The only person on the 49ers staff that had a good season last year was the team doctor because that motherfucker got a pay raise, basically, (laughs) because there is a litany of injuries on that 49ers roster. Like opening up the year was just Nick Bosa, uh, Raheem Samuel, Yeah, Raheem Moster, Tevin Coleman. They were down to like their fourth string running back at one time. Jimmy Garoppolo, like week three. Yeah, and they were trotting out Nick Mullins. Now, I will say Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins showed some stuff when he played when he played last year. Nick Mullins, Nick Mullins kind of made a name for himself. He got himself a new deal. I don't remember where he went, but. But Nick Mullins got himself a little bit of a deal, kept himself in the league with his play last year, had some good games. Uh, but yeah, I would probably agree with you. I think I think Jimmy G probably probably gets the nod. Uh, Trey Lance probably the most raw of all the quarterbacks, probably the one that needs the most work. Um, didn't really get to be fair. Didn't really play a lot of games in college just because NDSU didn't have the opportunity to play a lot of games, especially last year since they only played. I think they played. Didn't they play like one game last year or something? It was something like yeah. They, they played like one showcase game. Yeah, and and a lot of stuff like that. Uh, one thing I will say about the Bears and Matt Nagy is the Red Rifle could, in fact keep the job the entire year it just depends whether or not matt Nagy thinks that his team is good enough to make a run this year because i think in matt Nagy's mind his system is gonna work independent of the quarterback and he i'm pretty sure he probably thinks that andy dalton is good enough to win him like 11 games with his system and their defense. It's just whether or not Andy Dalton, as you said, makes it overwhelmingly apparent that Justin Fields is far more talented and a far better option than he is. Now, if you see the Bears come out, the Bears win a couple games, you might see Justin Fields sit the entire year. Or he plays in some fourth quarters where it's a blowout and the game doesn't matter or something like that. Or maybe if there's an injury or something like that, you could see Fields. But probably Lance is probably the one that I don't, I don't see very big. I don't, I don't see, a, I don't, if Jimmy Garoppolo stays healthy, I don't really see much of a reason for Lance to play because I don't think the 49ers, uh, the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan probably think that they're a playoff team. I mean, they were, they, they were without the injuries. As you said, Jimmy Garoppolo led them to, a, led them to a championship. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is the cockiest son of a bitch of all time. So he probably thinks he can just do it again. Um, you know, just probably blow another lead or something, but it's just one of those things where probably if I had to, if I had to guess in my heart of hearts, I probably say that Mac will start the majority of the seasons for the Patriots. Zach Wilson, of course, will start for the Jets and then Lawrence will start for the Jaguars and probably I think Lance and Fields probably set out a majority of the season. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I could see that. It just depends on how Andy Dalton plays, but uh, I I could definitely see that with Trey Lance. 
you know, had a weird season last year, only playing one game in college. But, you know, the 49ers return, you know, their quarterback that led them to the Super Bowl. So why do you not start the quarterback that led you to the Super Bowl? He's already loved by everyone in the locker room. Oh, of, of course. As Stephen A. Smith calls him, porn star Jimmy. Uh, Hell he's, yeah. He's probably, you know, he's probably a big brand in that in that Bay Area. But in all seriousness, uh, I think that Kyle Shanahan probably has grown a little bit weary of Jimmy Garoppolo's limitations. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo basically lost them that Super Bowl game. Uh, had a, had a, a, a couple. There will be no Jimmy Garoppolo slander in this podcast. All right. Well, that's my that's my one. You you stuck in three shots during the during this podcast, right right at my right at my heart. You stuck it, and I can't believe that that Mary Goda slander was even was even considered by you. I don't even know Is how that you bum's still in the league. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure he plays for. Doesn't he play for the Raiders? Mm, I don't know. They picked up Nathan Peterman. Well, I mean, according to according to John Gruden, Nathan Peterman is a hell of a quarterback. So, hell yeah, he is. You know, have you seen uh, Dilfer's Dimes, baby? I try to watch Dilfer's Dimes about as little as possible, but I'm sure his segment was very telling if he thought that Nathan Peterman was going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Honestly, I feel bad hey, for Peterman. Hey, Nathan Peterman beat Clemson in college. That's what I'm saying. I was about to say, I feel bad for Peterman. I think he gets, he gets a worse rap than he needs. He honestly probably couldn't see a lot of those jerseys in the snow when they played the Chargers, and he probably, you know, couldn't <laughs> see very well. And then he threw those five interceptions because, you know, it was it was snow. I give him a little bit of a no, but in all seriousness, serious, in all seriousness, Nathan Peterman over Mariota is absolutely ridiculous to me. But once again, we have gone off we've gone off the rails. One last question I'd like to ask you for this episode is if you had to pick going, but we're going to circle back around to college football. I just want to sneak this in a little bit. If you had to pick preseason in your heart of hearts, the winner of every single conference, who would it be? Power five conferences, power five. Conferences. Power five. All right. We'll start out with the SEC, Alabama. Come on now. Let's get real. ACC, Clemson, duh. Um, Big 12, Oklahoma, duh. Uh, Pac-12. Gonna go with the gonna go with this shocking pick here, Oregon. Um, Big Ten. I'm gonna go with a sleeper pick on this one. You know, a lot of people have them high on their boards. Ohio State. Yeah, I uh, I don't think any, that shocked anybody. But the point I was trying to make by that was the real point I'm trying to make is: Do you think there will be any parity in college football this year, or? Do you think that it will literally just end up the way that you said, and we're just going to see another playoff that has Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, and Oklahoma in it again this year? Yes, as far as Oklahoma, I would, I would, I would say it's a safe bet to bet that Oklahoma is going to be there. Um, but we'll we'll see. They haven't beaten Kansas State in the past two years. We'll see if they uh, if that bites them in the butt, if they lose to them again. But, yeah, I think that would be a safe bet. Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Clemson. I don't think Georgia's going to do anything. Yeah, really, uh, Georgia and Georgia and uh, North Carolina and Texas A&M are really uh, the world's only hope at this point, I think. 
And I think everybody else is kind of sitting at home, twiddling their thumbs, waiting for the conference realignment so they can actually be relevant. But uh, thank you for listening to this podcast. You can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Buzzsprout, all the stuff that Anchor, you know, airs us to. We're probably going to get the YouTube set up if, you know, I'll ever go through the audio files and actually set that up. Uh, this has been the Coaches Don't Play Sports Podcast. I've been your host, Blake, with my co-host, David Cherub. Everybody have a good one. It's football season. Oh, yeah. See ya.